The word of the Lord, according to Hebrews 13, 1 to 17. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited from those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our gospel proclamation comes from the epistle to the Hebrews that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for this 12th Sunday of Pentecost. Believe it and live it. I have a lot of older friends. I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe it's because I work with mostly seniors as a pastor and I've grown quite fond of most, if not all of them. The wisdom they impart. Their patience with me over the years. Just really fine people that have lived and learned and know what to get worked up about and what to just let slide. But it's not just that. My best friends are older than me too. Marcy, my mom and dad. Pastor Moore, Pastor Spaeth, Neil, and Barb, and a few others you don't know. I can really talk to them and don't have to be worried about what I say around them. They seem to just understand me and let me be me. That's important in life. God wants you to have the consistency and friendships that you can count on no matter what. In the most chaotic moments of your life, God provides these stable relationships so you know that you have a port in the storm, safe from anything that scares you, threatens you, or just plain unnerves you in the world today. And that's where I think God has provided me, the younger in the bunch, to give optimism and hope where there might otherwise be despair. I am hearing it a lot more from my friends and unnamed friends as well that 
They don't always understand why the world is increasingly changing from its fundamental values. Now, it doesn't bother me because I was a student of history in college, especially Roman and Greek history, as well as American history. And I know that nothing that is happening today is new under the sun. Oh, many progressive atheists are sure that they're creating original thoughts for a new worldview. But the truth is, it's all been tried before in empires as powerful as America is today. And it all went away with them as well. So I assure my older friends, this is not new and God has seen it all before. And history teaches us, especially in the Bible, how we can deal with it and even thrive in a culture that seems intent on eradicating any historical reference to us whatsoever. And today's letter to the Hebrews not only concludes our work in this epistle for the next two years, but sets up the very framework of our comfort and assurance of God who will always be in control overall. Two weeks ago, we learned that we lived our life by faith. When we don't have anywhere else to turn, we always have Christ and he will never leave us or forsake us. One week ago, we learned that we need to get back to that faith in church and with our church family and work to get everyone back that we have been missing since COVID lockdowns. This week, the author of the Hebrews encourages us to get and do the Lord's work with four key principles that are never in doubt in God's kingdom and amongst his people. First, brotherly love is absolute amongst his children. Whether we like one another or not, by virtue of being forgiven in Christ, to be, we will love each other. I know, this sounds crazy, but we're family. In our religion class this week at the school, one of my dear students took exception to having to be a sister to another boy in class as her brother. (laughs) I get it. Sometimes our brothers or sisters are annoying. But at the end of the day, you cannot deny that if we all have one Heavenly Father, we are brothers and sisters. That doesn't always work out in the real world. We are often estranged from siblings in life due to so many variables and events that cause it to be so. Even in the church, this is difficult. But in God's eternal kingdom, this is absolute. Because God makes us what we would not be through the blood of Christ, washing away our sins and the Holy Spirit, making us holy. Next, the author to the Hebrews wants us to know that marriage is honorable among all. God's design of the family and pure life has never changed and never will. No matter what world defines marriage as, God defines it very clearly as one man and one woman coming together for life. This is bedrock, foundational to the very fabric of any community, and God will make sure that it endures as an essential institution even when we fail at it. Next, the people of God will live life free from the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil, unethical capitalism, crony capitalism. Believing money is the solution to all our problems will never be a part of the mindset and practice amongst God's people. God gives us money as a tool to achieve our goals for his glory and the well-being of our fellow neighbor. We don't hoard it or define ourselves by it. It doesn't determine our self-worth because it doesn't solve our self-inflicted wounds. 
It only masks it or deters it into the sins we unrepentantly struggle with, master us with indifference to our true Lord and Savior, Jesus. As people of God, we will have the money, but the money will never have us. Only Jesus will, and God will provide all that we need. Finally, the letter to the Hebrews gives us absolute certainty that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was prophesied from beginning in Genesis 3.15. He made several appearances throughout the Old Testament as the unique messenger of God. He walked amongst us as our friend and God and dwells amongst God's people to this day where two or more are gathered in his name. Welcome, Lord Jesus. He's never changed according to his nature or his purpose or even his presence in all time, space, and history. He has been consistent for thousands of years when new and alien teachings sprouted up and his truth outlasted them all. He was the ultimate offering for sin that replaced the need <coughs> to ever slaughter even a single lamb ever again. Because he was the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world for all time. And he is the one who is seated at the right hand of God and will welcome us into the kingdom of the new heavens and the new earth when Jerusalem will come down as his holy city, redeemed where he was crucified on Golgotha to earn his seat as our eternal king. Now, I can almost hear your thoughts out loud right now. I can almost see the glazed look coming over your eyes right here. I can almost read your minds. Maybe I'm right. Maybe, I don't think so, I'm wrong. But if I'm right... Listen to your own thoughts right now in my speaking. So what, Pastor? You're not saying anything we haven't heard you say before. What does that have to do with the problems I'm having with my family right now? What does that have to do with the job I have right now? What does that do to solve the crisis we're facing right now? What good is any of that? At least until Jesus comes to take us home. Now, if you've had these thoughts, like I have, you, just like me, have slipped into the misunderstanding that this was all about you. Every time we dwell on what is wrong in our life, we cause the devil and his minions to shriek with joy. The pain has consumed you. The strife has overwhelmed you. The despair has crushed you. And Satan has distracted you from the only thing that can save you. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. I like to think that that knocking isn't so much on the door to my house, but more like on the hardened heart of my soul. And Jesus is relentlessly knocking. Knocking out the demons and the devil who keeps whispering sweet nothings in our ears that sound so good, but fail so spectacularly. Jesus knocking over our sinful pride, atoms of self-adulation and eaves of everlasting self-expression. Desiring to be gods ourselves, Jesus kills that pride so we can rise again with lies as people of his holy promise. Jesus knocking the false narratives of atheism into ash by 
burning them to the ground and bringing the new growth of the Holy Spirit from the earth once worshipped, but now a tool for his kingdom-building people. You know, us pastors don't get to see much excitement. After all, y'all pretty good people. Don't get me wrong. We're all sinners that need forgiveness every day. But as far as church worship and practice, you pretty much get that done. So I don't see many earth-shattering spiritual conversions. I don't see many angels descending on deathbeds or people with near-death experiences seeing their holy angel redeem them from said death or watch souls literally lift out of bodies and ascend into a circle of mist in hospital rooms. In fact, I've never seen any of these miraculous events. But I know they happen. Because you, and by you I mean Mount Olive, Trinity, St. Matthew's, St. Stephen's, Cross of Calvary, St. Peter's, and Faith Lutheran Church members have all told me you have seen it. Why y'all and not me? I don't know. But what I do know is all of you who have told me these things believed it. And if you believed it, I do too. Because we were not put on this earth to live our lives our way. We were redeemed from sin to live life Christ's way. And if Christ's way was through miracles like this, well, that was up to him, not us. And if he did it, he knew we needed it. And if he did do it, then he knew we didn't need it. In these difficult days, through worship, devotion, sharing the gospel and loving one another, all we really need is him. And he will knock on our heads until we get it, believe it, and live it for his glory. Amen.